GM, GM, welcome to another episode of Web3 Academy, your trusted source for useful and legitimate information in the Web3 world so you don't fall behind the internet revolution. I'm Jay Bird, and as always, joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that Web3 is going to change the world. That's why we're here to guide the world's top talent down the rabbit hole as you contribute and capitalize on the opportunity. Kai, what's up, my man? How you doing, brother? Man, I'm great. And we've got a, another big week as per usual. Lots of conference stuff going on with ETH Denver currently. So we're going to talk about a lot of news that have come out of there. Some of these things, which actually is another conference, is Consensus is launching tickets with NFTs. They're doing some really cool stuff here on how that's going to change the game for conferences and just ticketing in general. But the real big news today is the gaming industry. Lots going on there. It's really heating up in Web3. There's some really big news to share. Maybe 2 billion users or so might have access to Web3 in the coming days to weeks. So that's huge. Hennessy unveils their Web3 brand. That's nice. So much more. Oh, one big thing is you can now buy a chocolate Frosty with your crypto. Would you do that, Jay? I mean, I want to do it just so I can try it because Wendy's is delicious. Actually, there is no Wendy's around me, unfortunately. It's very sad. That's. I would say that that's fortunate. What? <laughs> you don't need that junk. Come on. I mean, who who doesn't need a you know a chocolate frosty you know in the afternoon? Perk you up a little bit. Makes makes me think of Dairy Queen too. My wife's pregnant, so that's why you was probably eating I, ice cream all day. We've been having a lot of ice cream. We've been having a lot of ice cream. <laughs> well, let me guess. Is that your gratitude then? Because it should be. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'll double up on the gratitude. That was not what I was going to go with. First of all, I was going to say my gratitude is for our doctor. We went to see our doctor yesterday. And the baby's heartbeat. So I'm just grateful for modern medicine, whatever that tool is that they use to hear the heartbeat through Sam's belly. Baby's healthy, super grateful the baby's healthy, grateful that Sam's doing so well. But then the best part, here's my real gratitude, is Sam and I have made a rule that whenever we go see the doctor, which we do once a month right now, we go get a treat afterwards. So I'm grateful for Purebred, which is this like bakery, local bakery here. And the delicious brownie that I got to enjoy after the baby appointment. <laughs> what are you guys, dogs? What are you getting treats for? <laughs> treats are delicious. <laughs> My gratitude is that I got to hang out at a Web3 conference yesterday. It's been a little bit, not since last year. And I got to speak at it for the first time. So my first time speaking in front of 100 plus people. And it was a lot of fun. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Got to share kind of my thoughts on where I think the Web3 space is going and just talk about what this stuff really means, what blockchain's really giving to the internet in terms of digital rights, digital ownership, et cetera. It was great. It was a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to doing more of these. I heard it was a fire presentation. <laughs> fire, right? Okay, so before we get into our show today, let's take a look at the chart of the week as per usual. So we're looking at a chart of Blur's token price, Look's token price, and X2Y2's token price. And so these are the tokens that represent the token incentivized NFT marketplaces, which is what I've been calling them. We just had a pro report that went out on the tokenomics of all these. I'm not going to dive into the tokenomics of these today, but what we're going to talk about when we're looking at this chart is for those of you that are watching on YouTube right now can see this chart. We can see Looks token, which launched at above close to $4. And now it's somewhere like under a dollar, right? And it just, you can see it tank completely right after the launch of the token. Same with X2Y2, and you're seeing it happening right now with Blur. Why is this happening? Well, this is because we are airdropping tokens. We are just giving tokens to a bunch of people. And one thing I think everyone needs to understand, especially new people when you come in, you get airdropped tokens, you're like, oh, sweet, this protocol is amazing. This app is awesome. It's going to go to the moon. 
It's not, okay? Like 99% of all airdrop tokens go just completely down. And I'm talking very far down because all you're doing is giving away value to these people who many of them were actually just, you know, airdrop farming this thing in the first place, right? If you just give away value, people are going to sell it and put it into something that has it will retain more value. This is just how this stuff works. The thing I don't think people understand about this, especially if you're trying to start a company and you want to airdrop tokens as a means to like growth, you know, market or kind of stimulate use of your protocol. I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but you got to understand that in order for this to work, there was liquidity that had to be provided, which means that Blur and Looks and XTY2 had to actually put up money for this token to be traded on open global markets, meaning they put up millions and millions of dollars on Uniswap or whatever exchanges they put this on for this whole thing to work. So there was actually a big cost here to these companies to make this happen. They didn't just print billions of dollars out of nowhere. They actually had to create that liquidity from somewhere. So this went from, I don't know, whether it was investors, it looks this case, maybe from some of their revenues, because they're the only one here that actually has some decent revenue or <laughs> did, they don't anymore. But anyway, there are costs. So it's not as easy as people think if you just go, I'm going to launch this new project and I'm going to just like airdrop people a bunch of tokens. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. The key thing is, and you can actually see it in this chart here, the one interesting thing I'm going to take away from this chart is looks were tanked, but then actually skyrocketed back up right early stages. Why did that happen? Because they found some utility for the token. They gave people a reason to actually hold on to this token. In most cases, when you're airdropping for a new protocol, there isn't really any reason to hold this token. It doesn't generate revenue, right? It doesn't really do much yet. And in looks rare's case at the beginning, this was back in early 2022, you could stake your looks tokens to earn rewards. Now, the problem is, is that the rewards you earned were more looks tokens. They're just like Ponzi-nomics. It's not even really like a good play. But you can just see that when you add utility to a token, people actually have a reason to hold on to it. And that's what happened here. Whereas Blur doesn't have that really other than governance. But I mean, that's a whole other conversation. You just see people are selling it right off the bat. Just a lesson learned on airdrops. If you're looking to do one for your own company or you are receiving an airdrop, think about do people have a reason to hold on to this or do people have a reason to buy more of this? Or do people have more of a reason to just sell it? And in most cases with an airdrop early on for a project, they're probably going to sell it. The word loyalty is being thrown around a lot right now. Kai, you tell me what you think. Is this loyalty? No. I mean, you can see in the charts, it's not loyalty, right? (laughs) You look at the charts. If the price was staying the same or going up, okay, then you have loyal people. You have loyal token holders. If you give a bunch of tokens to a bunch of your users and they sell it, they are not loyal whatsoever. And so in the NFT marketplace specifically, there is no loyalty, none at all. This is bribery. Well, there you go. Not loyalty, it's bribery. We don't bribe you to listen to Web3 Academy. We just appreciate you here. It's all loyalty here in this crew. But before we jump into the next story, which is Web3 ticketing from Consensus, this is a great story. I'm really excited about this. Let's just take a minute to hear from our sponsor. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. 
This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. All right, welcome. Oh, Kai, you got something to say? I was just came, came out of that ad excited. You feeling Lens these days? What's going on? No, no, no. I mean, I'm always feeling Lens. I was just going to say, if you guys want to learn more about tokenomics of looks, X2, Y2, and Blur, which obviously is a big deal right now, then GoPro. In our newsletter, you can go pro. We just sent out a report breaking down the entire tokenomics of it. Why would people want to buy it? Why would people want to sell it? And how does this integrate into their business model? Check that out. It's a great report if you want to understand how these tokens are working, if they are working. All right. First story up today is all around IRL events and ticketing. Now, we talked a ton about ticketing being ripe for disruption. There's massive issues within the ticketing business and IRL event businesses, a huge business, $1.8 billion is projected to be by 2027. And really it's controlled by Ticketmaster and Live Nation who haven't really done much innovation and have really just been extracting value from us for a long time. So we've been waiting to see more. We've seen a little bit in the Web3 event space, but Consensus, which is Coindesk's annual conference, which is coming up in the next few months, has just announced that they are releasing a NFT ticket for their event. And this is probably the coolest, most innovative ticket I've seen to date. If you host an event, listen to this because this is the playbook that you should be following. So let me give you the sort of TLDR on this. So it's a 1000 supply collection. They actually partnered with Artblocks and a generative artist to create not just a ticket stub, it's actually a piece of art as well. And they included rarity. So with the 1,000 supply, 300 of them will be rare. And those 300 rarities, it's not rarity in terms of the traits of the art, it's rarity in terms of the access you get at the event. The utility in this NFT is that you get three years pass to consensus. So you'll get airdropped for the next three years, a pro tier ticket to consensus, which is valued at about $1,200 per year. And this NFT, they're going to sell for 1.5 ETH, which is about $2,400 right now. So the utility and the value is instant in this case, right? right? But the rarity is what's really interesting. So the rarity, 300 of these NFTs will have access to specific things at the event. So one of the things you can win is a booth, which is worth $15,000. So you could win a booth at the event. Now let's say you don't want a booth at the event, right? Well, you're going to be airdropped this NFT that gets you this booth. So you could then take that NFT and you can sell it on the open market to anyone else if you don't want it. So not only are they giving so much and having really an opportunity for their customers to have access to all these entertaining and fun things, they're also allowing you to resell very easily if you want out, which is one of the big things we've talked so much about in the Web3 ecosystem is us as users, we buy in to the products and the brands that we love. 
Well, we should be able to exit that ecosystem. And when we exit, if we have value to give back to somebody within that ecosystem, we should be able to sell it in an easy way, not have to sell it on like Facebook Marketplace and meet up with somebody behind Wendy's while you're grabbing your Frosty and paying with crypto. I'm really, really excited about this. The partnership is with Tokenproof as well. So Tokenproof is going to be doing all of the ticket gating or token gating of this. And it's also with Passage Protocol, which is their membership side. So that's who's doing the membership part of this. But I mean, really, really exciting to see a event do NFT tickets and not just the ticket itself, but also using rarity, making it a piece of art, extending to so many other layers that NFTs allow. It's super interesting. I just want to get to the point that all tickets are just NFTs. I don't know why. Especially with consensus, like I get for, I don't know, Taylor Swift or whatever, she can't just go to NFTs because no one will be able to buy them. Even if you can buy them with credit card, which you can buy on a credit card, like you need a wallet to put them in. It's a weird UX for most of the world. But for something like consensus, I'm going to assume everyone who goes to consensus probably has a MetaMask wallet or some sorting wallet. So like you could go the unlock protocol side of things and I get not everyone's going to want to buy with crypto. So you can give the option, buy with crypto, buy with credit card, and then make it all NFTs. I don't know why we haven't done that yet, to be completely honest, but this is great. And I think it's a good like kind of test. You don't usually don't want to go all, I don't know how many people go to consensus, probably mm -hmm. 10,000 or so. But I think the ones that should be setting this trend are conferences, because you already know everyone going has wallets. Like, you know, they could have done like 10,000 tickets. They just the normal ones as just normal NFTs. And then done this thousand on top of that mm -hmm. as like the like rare things with the special experiences, et cetera. Like that would have been pretty cool. I think someone will do it soon. I would think. I believe the tech is there at this point. I think there's the fear of going all in on something that has difficult UX. There's friction in buying online. There's security issues and, you know, your ticket could get stolen if you got fished. NFT NYC also recently started sales for their upcoming event in April. And they sold, I can't remember the number, but it was about a thousand NFT tickets as like first access passes. Now in their case though, they didn't do anything else. It was just, you're buying a ticket and you're just buying it as an NFT, which is a great it's idea. It's better, right? Like it's better than a ticket. Like that alone is good enough. Right. But I think what is so exciting about what Consensus is doing here is they're showing so much more potential. Right. The next to, thing that you can do is to this. give value to users. Here's a great example of, where IRL events have gone. So Disney had a something like a 70% revenue increase from Disney World, Disneyland, like from their parks and experiences, from their IRL experiences. And do you know where most of that revenue has come from? It's come from them selling line bypass. I don't remember exactly what they call it, but they have some like line bypass ticket. So you're buying a ticket to go to a Disney park and then you get there and they're like, oh yeah, sorry, the lines are huge. You're going to need to pay another $100 per person right. and you can line bypass. That's just extracting value from your customer, right? right? Whereas what you can do with NFTs is you can give value. Why not sell NFTs and why not say, okay, every day we're going to randomly pick some people who get line bypass today and you could even it out right or say we're gonna have a meet and greet that certain people are gonna get because with nfts you have that ability or we could say hey we can see that you spend a lot of time in this part of the park or if you're at a concert we can see that you've come to multiple sailor swift concerts this year well you know what we're gonna reward you and we're gonna give you something extra right
Yeah, no, it's super cool. I love it. I mean, I think all tickets are going to be here soon enough are going to be as NFTs. And then I think you can create so many experiences from that. So looking forward to that. Let's talk gaming, Kai. Gaming out a week. We got some big news coming out of gaming. First up, I want to talk about the big news that would have caught all of the gamers' attention. So Mongrel, who is a leading Fortnite player, he's 18 years old and is huge on social media, millions of followers. He came first in the Dookie Dash game with his sewer pass. He got the golden key, it's called. And he sold the golden key for 1,000 ETH. So this 18-year-old spent a couple weeks playing a game on Web3 and then made $1.6 million. How many gamers out there are sitting there looking at this and being like, how do I get NFTs? Like, how do I play these games, right? Who bought this? And why did they buy it for a thousand ETH? That is the question that is on everybody's mind. <laughs> Adam Weitzman is an American entrepreneur. He owns like a recycling and garbage company. He's a bit of a DJ and he owns a bunch of apes and he's been in this race for a while. Is a rare item in a game worth $1.6 million? That's what you're asking, right? Like, why? Well, no, it, I mean, it would depend on eventually comes as a result of holding this thing, right? Does this give you some sort of clout or access in the Yuga world? Probably it will in other games and things. So like my assumption is he's betting that Yuga will create value towards this thing, you know? Right, right. But as an example though, if we look Web2 gaming, there was a Counter-Strike skin that sold for $150,000 previously. So it's not unusual for in-game items to sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's on like, gray markets, right? There's no liquidity. There's no marketplace that you can go to and sell this. So I and there's the risk think, that that thing can be deleted or going, yeah, you don't even own it. You don't even own it. The price actually maybe isn't that crazy, but really the thing here is that I just can't imagine how many gamers are sitting there being like, I want to play web three games. This guy just made $1.6 million. Get me in to this party. Royalties paid in full and gives a special thank you to Yuga Labs. Is this a setup? Did Yuga Labs make this happen as a PR stunt? I'm sure they did. Yeah. You think so? <laughs> yeah, I think so. They're masters of partnership and of collaboration. That's really their playbook and has been their playbook from the beginning. You know, think about how many celebrities they got to buy into Board API Club and to use okay, your you, profile picture to aid. They somehow let Mongrel win this game because he's a big name. No, no, no. That's, I don't think they did that. <laughs> I don't know how far we get, but this just looks like the perfect story. You got this big professional player, comes in, wins it, sells it, makes 1.6 million to some dude, and then goes, Oh, and I, by the way, I paid all the royalties and such a big thank you to you, the labs. Come on. It seems set up to me. I don't know how much of it's set up, but that's too many things that went right for Yuga Labs. The sale was also made on OpenSea. How pissed is OpenSea that they have zero fees right now? <laughs> well, no, they have 0.5. Is it 0.5? Yeah, they upped it after 48 hours. Well, there you go. Let's move on with the gaming story. So lots of gamers out there are excited. Now let's go to the developers. In order to make AAA games, in order to bring more gamers into the space, we need high quality Web3 games. And there was a massive announcement that came out this week out of Unity, which is one of the largest game developers, mainly for mobile games, but also for desktop games as well in the Web2 space. So they've been used for Subway Surfers, Pokemon Go, Call of Duty mobile version, all were built on Unity. And so Unity came out and said, 
that they are now going to offer a Web3 toolkit. And that Web3 toolkit is going to include integrations with Algorand, Aptos, Dapper Labs, Immutable, Solana, Tezos, MetaMask, and Fura, which is MetaMask product as well, all within this virtual toolbox that will allow any developer to now integrate Connect Wallet and NFTs directly into their game. I think with the games, they have 2 billion monthly active users across all games built on Unity Engine. So that is massive. That is a quarter of the entire world. Now, look, not every game is going to go and integrate into Web3. But what's cool about this is it means that we don't have to build brand new games. It's existing games can go and have connect to your wallet, connect to your like MetaMask wallet instantly. The SDK is there, the ability to do it. And it's like within the next month, we could have big time games allow you to connect a wallet and then create some sort of experience based off of what's in your wallet, right? Even just allow you to pay for things, whatever it is in crypto, like whatever they want to do, they can start to create these kind of experiences and they can do it pretty easily. They don't have to go and rebuild it all. It's just like they've just integrated it in. Now it's just all there and available. So this will really speed run games from integrating into Web3 and it's going to start to fire up some competition saying, hey, Web3 is coming to games, NFTs, wallets, whatever. This is all coming to games. Like it's time to do this and it's time to get it going quick. So I think Immutable and whatever other platforms have tons of games on it, like they're going to be rearing to go to start taking over and launching things because whoever starts to launch this stuff first is going to obviously get a bunch of one PR, but probably a bunch of users. And look, some of it's probably going to be bad PR actually because gamers hate NFTs for some reason, but they'll figure it out soon enough. It's interesting to think about how adoption right now for Web3 is coming from all sides because of the way this exponential tech is growing. For the past year, we've been talking about when's going to be the first big Web3 game. And we kept on saying, well, we've got to wait because building a AAA game takes years. And we were waiting for a Web3 game to be natively built Web3. So the United are NFTs and the whole thing is Web3. But now what we're seeing is, okay, no, Unity is saying, oh, you can just take a Web2 game, you can take an existing game, and you can start to integrate Web3 into the game. So it's going to come from both sides. You're right when you say PR. Who's going to be the first game that just says, sweet, you can now connect your wallet and buy our game items with crypto? That's simple. Right. You'll get PR if you just do that. So this is the gaming world doing it. The social media world's already doing it with Twitter and Instagram, You know, allowing you to integrate wallets and do certain Web3 mm-hmm. things. Same idea here of what Unity Engine's doing for gaming, essentially start to incorporate different random things within their games. What that will be, mm-hmm. who knows? Let's see. But we will keep you updated as per usual. Speaking of gaming, one of the biggest games in the world, GTA 6, or sorry, I should say GTA is one of the biggest games in the world. GTA 5 was their previous game. They're building GTA 6. It's Grand Theft Auto, for those of you who don't know the abbreviation. Great game. Lots of fun. Always enjoyed playing this when I was a kid. And the rumor mill has gone crazy this past week with rumors that GTA 6 will have an in-game cryptocurrency. So this game very naturally has in-game money. You actually go around and do missions and quests in order to make money. And how easy would it be for them to make that a token and have give that token real-world value and allow you to buy and sell that token? There's so much potential there. Now, this is all just rumors. But we talked about these rumors about six months ago originally. And what I'm thinking here is Rockstar Games, which is what who owns Grand Theft Auto, basically they're going PR right now and they're seeing 
okay, we got an opportunity to get a lot of attention towards GTA 6. Let's start to leak again. Let's leak that we're going to put into cryptocurrency. Let's leak the word metaverse. Grand Theft Auto kind of already is a metaverse. Metaverse, 100%. A, right? So, is Rockstar an American company? I believe so. I can never remember Tencent, Tencent, the Chinese company. They own so many of the big gaming companies now. And I can't remember if they own Rockstar. Like, I know they own Activision. Yeah, American uh, video game publisher. So in my opinion, there's no way that they launch a token. No one can launch tokens right now. Coinbase can't launch a token. Facebook could launch token. Who does Rockstar Games think that they can launch token? Like no one, everyone can launch an NFT, but there is not one American company really that's launched a token. Voyager did it, but they're bankrupt. I mean, FTX did it, but also they're bankrupt. I don't know any other American companies that have launched a token. I just think it's a big risk at the moment, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I know it, it's just an in-game currency. It's not going to be like equity of the company. So it's not a security, but I don't know. Starbucks right now. They haven't launched a token. Their Odyssey program is NFTs, but I think that we can all see that going towards a token in the future. I guess it's not a token. It's not now. I think all these companies will launch token. And trust me, Grand Theft Auto will benefit from this like crazy. They have like stock markets and stuff in their games. Like they'll have tons of tokens, I think, in their games eventually. Currencies, equities, everything. The sweetest metaverse ever. You go like beat people up and kill people and earn money and sell drugs or whatever you do in them Auto. And we are not endorsing <laughs> any of those things here on Mother Drew Academy. <laughs> That's what you do with escape. But anyway, we'll see. It's an edgy time right now to be trying to launch tokens. So it'd be a risky move for GTA. So do you think the GTA leaked this? Somebody started this rumor. All the big press media outlets picked it up this week and we're talking about it. So did GTA leak this as a way just to, I mean, I mean, it's smart. You get a lot of press. Who cares if you actually do it or not? It's well, yeah, exactly. Probably they leaked it. It's good PR for, you know, some people who care about this stuff. Crypto, is that good PR right now? I always believe all PR is good PR unless somebody dies or you do something violent. Like that has always been yeah. my belief because a whole bunch of people reading GTA 6, GTA 6, GTA 6 and seeing it all over the internet is not a bad thing. Our attention spans seven seconds. We don't remember things that well. So, all right, next up, Hennessy. So Hennessy, which is one of the largest luxury alcohol brands in the world, has announced their Web3 brand, which is spelt H3NSY. Is that also pronounced Hennessy, it's a cool way to do it, I guess. It's the cool way. You throw it's a gen- three in the middle of a word <laughs> and turn it backwards. Oh no, that's not backwards. They didn't no, even turn it backwards. <laughs> it's, they just made it regular. That's It's too confusing. It's the Gen Z way of spelling Hennessy. Us millennials can't even understand these Gen Alphas and Gen Zs. Okay, so let me tell you about what they've done here. And then I want to talk about luxury in Web3 and how much their crossover and the potential for those two categories to work together. So the goal of Hennessy is to serve as a hub for creators, cultures, and communities. So it's going to involve NFT partnerships, their Cafe 11 program. Cafe 11 is an NFT that they actually dropped in the past year. They're going to do bottle drops. So exclusive bottles of Hennessy that you'll be able to claim through their brand. And they're also going to look to partner within the Web3 space. So you're going to see a lot of collaborations coming out. Now, Hennessy's been involved in Web3 for a while. They did H8, which was a rare edition of Hennessy, where some bottles sold for $250,000. 
They also did, as I mentioned, Cafe 11, which is like a cultural social club. So it's an NFT collection where holders get access to exclusive Hennessy events. The most recent one was in Miami in December. It's an access pass. I think there's about 500 of those NFTs that are owned. Sorry, I was just going to ask if you drink Hennessy, but you can finish first and then I'll ask you. I do not drink Hennessy. Do you drink Hennessy? No, 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 no. It's not my cup of tea. I don't think I've ever drank Hennessy. Really? To be honest. This is a luxury good, right? I'm not the luxury alcohol guy. I also don't drink much alcohol to begin with. And if I did, I would buy a good beer or a good bottle of wine, but I wouldn't buy, I don't know, an expensive bottle of liquor. I mean, if it was Mezcal, sure, but I'm okay care about expensive things really. But I have a friend who her parents are really rich. And so they had a bottle of this, I don't know, a couple thousand dollar bottle of Hennessy. And we opened it up one time at their cottage. And when his wife opened it up, she spilled half of it. I was like, oh my God, that's thousands of dollars. <laughs> he just spilled it out. You're we like licking it up off the floor. <laughs> the best part is it's just the brand. What you're yeah. licking up off the floor is actually not thousands of dollars of like special made you know, ingredients or anything like that. It's the label. The reason Hennessy is so popular, it's the same as like Veuve or Moet, all these luxury brands. It's the same as Louis Vuitton or another luxury fashion brand, right? It's all about being seen with the brand. Like the reason I think about Hennessy is like music videos and yeah, yeah. being in the club and holding a bottle of Hennessy, right? It's, it's all about being seen with it. But what I want to just chat quickly about, Kai, let me know your thoughts on this. The opportunity for Web3 to integrate with luxury is something that we have seen a bunch. We saw Tiffany's partner with CryptoPunks and do the limited edition pennants, which sold for $50,000 each. Gucci did NFT collections in metaverse items where you could get like special fashion, Gucci fashion that you could wear in the metaverse. Now, the reason that luxury works so well with Web3 is because Web3 allows rarity and it allows exclusivity because you can have rarity in NFTs. It's all one-of-ones, right? So you can have a one-of-one piece of something. And how does Tennessee work? How does Louis Vuitton work? They work up in IRL rarity. It's like rarity created by the brand. So they only produce a limited number of their product. They're not trying to be Target and Walmart and produce the most products possible. They're producing a limited number because then they can charge a much higher price. And your explanation of why Hennessy and these big brands like can sell their products for so much is the reason why NFTs can be worth so much, right? Everyone's like, well, why the heck do these NFTs sell for so much? And like, look, a lot of them are useless. But the weird thing is, is that we live in this world where humans are actually weird and we just like to show off that we have expensive i.e. rare things, right? And those rare things gain in value because they're rare, right? Because I'm the only person that can hold on to this thing or have this bottle. And so that's why NFTs, some NFTs anyway, go up in value because they're rare. And you know what? In the future, NFTs are going to go up in value way more than any of these physical brands. Why? Because there's way more distribution digitally than in the physical world, meaning you can show off how cool you are that you have this Hennessy NFT or whatever, your reputation can be way bigger online than it can be in the physical world. And yeah. so, and especially when we are really immersed in the metaverse and you have, I don't know, like your house and galleries and all these things, and you can show it off like by walking through with your Hennessy bottle as mm -hmm. you walk through mm -hmm. the metaverse or whatever, like these things will go way more value in the physical world. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. 
not to mention the access to a liquid market, a global right. liquid market. Right. Yeah, exactly that too. Speaking about luxury, Yugo Labs, which I'm considering the luxury of the NFT space. I wasn't uh, sure Yugo Labs. thinking Bitcoin was the luxury blockchain or Yugo Labs is the luxury company. No, I'm not going to say Bitcoin is the luxury blockchain. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you could make that. Technically, it has the most Bitcoin value. is gold and gold is luxury. I don't know. Yeah, it has the most value, but that's different. Luxury is like creating value with a brand. Right. Not true, necessarily. That's Bitcoin advertisements value. <laughs> so Yuga Labs has created a project on ordinals. We keep talking about Bitcoin NFTs and Kai, you might be sick of it. So feel free to rant if you're sick of talking about Bitcoin NFTs, but there's stuff happening there. There are over 200, I think it was like 220,000 yesterday. I'm not sure what it is today. NFTs that have been released on Bitcoin using the Ordinals protocol. And what Yuga Labs did here is they released a limited edition. It's called 12-fold and it's 300 generative pieces of art on Bitcoin that will be auctioned off. I think the auction is tomorrow. Now, the reason I bring this up is not to just continue to highlight Bitcoin NFTs. But here's what I think everyone needs to understand. Bitcoin is not a programmable blockchain. So all of these NFTs that are being released on Bitcoin are purely collectible pieces of art. That's it. That is the only value that they have. Now, if you're an art collector and you believe that Bitcoin ordinals will have lots of value and that they're great collectibles, by all means, I'm not an art collector. That's not my shtick. But there is no programmable abilities with smart contracts on Bitcoin's blockchain. So when we talk about NFTs and all the potential that they have, tickets and everything like that, none of that can happen on Bitcoin's blockchain. This feels like a moment in time to me, a fad in a moment, not a long-term thing that we're going to continue to see. You can like kind of make Bitcoin programmable with these basically centralized applications built on top of it. They're not truly programmable. They're not, I mean, Bitcoin is all about decentralization, right? You got to like MacGyver these things on top of it. It doesn't have the like real technical abilities, like something like Ethereum or Solana does. You can put something and you can see people in the chat who are saying, yeah, yeah, you can put stuff on Bitcoin. Sure, you can like layer twos and things like that as well. They're just a little bit shit and they don't really have a lot of functionality to like build what you really want. What I think Jay's getting at is, sure, there's people launching the stuff on Bitcoin right now and that's all fine and dandy. And I can guarantee you every single person buying it is just speculating you can't do anything with it and you won't really be able to do much with it. You can't build a metaverse and like all these other things that you are on Ethereum and Solana. The NFTs are going to always be very, very limited unless we use very centralized applications that are built on top of it. And so like it's not going to happen on Bitcoin unless they completely rejig the way that the blockchain works, which can be done. But it just doesn't look like that's the way the Bitcoin community wants to do it. And it kind of defeats the purpose of what Bitcoin really all is. What's the point? You already have all these other blockchains doing it. Bitcoin's already has its thing where it's slow. It's meant to just be money, mm -hmm. right? That's what they've always wanted. If they're going to try and transition and compete with Ethereum or Solana, like, well, your tech is so far behind. You already can't really do it with proof of work. It doesn't really make a lot of sense for them to go that way. In my opinion, this is just a short term sort of speculative thing where a lot of people are just playing around and decide things and that's cool and that's fine. Do whatever you want. Maybe there's some art there and that's cool. You hold it and you secure it on a very secure decentralized blockchain. Great. 
but you're not going to get these worlds built around and all this other cool stuff. Most likely, unless like something really changes in the Bitcoin community. I just don't really see that happening. Yeah, completely agree. Okay. Last up, some lens updates coming out of East Denver. East Denver is hot, hot, hot right now. And we are doing our best to keep you guys up to date on everything coming out of there. First thing is that ETH Pass has now allowed you to turn your lens profile into an Apple or Google Wallet Pass. This is super simple, but I just love seeing simple use cases like this. If you're looking on the screen, you can see a little animation of somebody opening their Apple Wallet and they've got their, you know, their American Express, their Southwest ticket, their last airline ticket. And then they've got their lens protocol profile and they open up their lens profile and it gives you a little QR code. It gives you your profile ID and you could walk around. Somebody could scan this QR code and then they could follow you on lens. So it's not the most complicated use case yet, but just this simple integration is something that I think gets everybody excited in the space. Yeah, and to be fair, like any NFT can do this with ETHPASS is how they're doing it. And remember, your lens profile is an NFT, and so that's why they can just integrate into ETHPASS. Anyone really can do that. And it's a gimmick more than anything, but hey, it does make it easier for people to follow you. Like at the conference I was at yesterday, a bunch of people came up to me after I was speaking and they were like, oh, how can I get in touch with you? And I was like, well, do you have Twitter? And they're like, no, like did a business card. And I was like, no, the hell. No. <laughs> and I was like, shit, I actually don't know. And I was like, do you want my email? Like I gave one guy my phone number. I was like, well, that was stupid. What am I doing here? Right? Like none of these people I probably could have, well, maybe some of them I could have given my lens. But anyway, it's a cool little gimmick for now. But I think more can happen from that. We're going to want to put like tickets and stuff in our wallet. So you could think of the consensus ticket you talked about earlier today. I don't know if that's integrated with ETH Pass, but it should be because that's your ticket to get in, right? So it makes complete sense to have that in your Apple wallet. It just makes life easier instead of, I don't know, trying to pull up your MetaMask, which takes eight seconds to load every time you open it. So next up out of ETH Denver is that Lens also announced that they're on BigQuery. Now, BigQuery is a open public data set on Google Cloud, and it's going to allow basically all lens data to be queried so you can eyes on chain you can look deeper into lens data through bigquery something we promote tons you could always already look into lens data on dune and other public data sets that are available something that you know we're trying to teach you guys constantly is the importance of looking on chain and this is really exciting for the whole lens community because it brings more abilities for the lens community to show off what's happening on chain and for any user to come in and take a look behind the books and see transparently what's going on. Yeah, I mean, what's good about this is with Lens, not only is your profile an NFT, but so are all of your posts, every piece of content you create, every single piece of content that you, I mean, retweet, but in Lens, they call it mirror. And so everything becomes an NFT on there, which means you can start to understand trends that are happening across the ecosystem, whether that's particular to one app, whether it's across the entire ecosystem, you can start to see who's monetizing and how they're monetizing. So it's like, you just get an open look at everything happening in the social media platform. Whereas things like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, like you don't have any of that. So it's pretty cool. Like you said, you can already see the stuff on Dune, but there's many different query type applications that are popping up and they'll all offer different features and things. And I don't really know what the difference is of BigQuery and Dune, but maybe one day we will look into that. We should probably get somebody from Google Cloud to come on the show. We've been talking with them actually for a while. Their lawyers make it very difficult on us. <laughs> Trying to get these big companies is a pain in the ass. Okay, next up, 
We've got the Dow of the Month. Yes, the Dow of the Month is actually something we talked about last week. And they won by, let's see, 69, ooh, 69%. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just between (laughs) LinksDAO, VitaDAO, KuruDAO, and IndexCoop. So all some pretty cool stuff going on here. But LinksDAO is the winner with 69% of the votes. Good job, LinksDAO. And you know what? The reason I like LinksDAO and the reason they won here is they have an incredible community. So I saw a table, I was like a chart the other day on Twitter, and it was looking at a bunch of the top NFTs and showing the percent of those who minted the NFTs and how many are still holding it today. And LinksDAO was number two. I forget which one was in front of it, was at the top, but LinksDAO was number two in terms of retention of their holders. I think that's a key metric. People get all excited about like volume of sales and blah, blah, blah. In any other business, subscription model, whatever, you're looking at your retention. How many people are sticking around and actually like the product? Whereas everyone else is like, oh, how much volume is there? That means how many people actually don't like your product and want to sell it and get out of there. It makes zero sense, this whole NFT space. But anyway, LinksDAO is number two in terms of retention, which is an incredible metric. And they actually had a bunch of people who voted in their DAO just last week, which we talked about already. And they're going to be buying a golf course in Scotland, which is really, really cool. LinksDAO has been around for one of the longest I've seen of DAOs. The way that they've done it was really cool. It was very open. Basically, it started from some people on Twitter just saying, hey guys, we want to do something with DAOs. We want to do it around golf. We want to create the coolest, basically like club around golf, like who's in. And everyone was commenting like, yeah, I love this great idea. Like no idea what we're going to do, but let's do it. And so someone was like, okay, I'm starting a Discord. They started Discord and like everyone came in. There's like thousands of people. And then together they're like, okay, let's create this NFT. Let's make our mission to buy a golf course. Let's do all these things. And it literally, it was community built from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of watched on the sidelines. I never bought it. I never really got into it. I just kind of was always watching because I follow a few of the like leaders that are in the space on Twitter. It might have been two years at least. And now they're actually like, they've done it. They've raised a bunch of money from their NFT. They're putting that money towards buying a golf course so they can create a nice experience for the members in their club. They've partnered with different courses. It's basically like a membership experience. And they've just done it grassroots, full on, just from the community, making partnerships and just like out of the love of golf. And it's just been really, really cool to watch. So lots of respect to Links Down this one. Also to whoever made sure that the vote was 69%. Did they get, were they at 68? And they were like, yo, we got to get a couple more people in here. We have to hit 69. <laughs> it's the best winning percentage we've ever had on any of our DAOs of the month. Let's get some quick hits, Kai. All right, let me start it off for you. The first one is Wendy's is accepting crypto. Yeah. Wow. So worldwide, it's accepting Shiba Inu. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, specifically, not any crypto. No. Specifically, Shiba Inu. Yeah. This story is just hilarious on so many levels. So Wendy's fast food restaurant. Wendy's. That's what we're we're talking about here. Wendy's is one of the largest fast food restaurants in the world. And their marketing team continues to just absolutely crush it. Oh, and I think amazing. Yeah, their Twitter is amazing. Very much a degen, right? It's like a shit posting Twitter. Yeah. They they're always trolling other brands. And this is their marketing team just saying, Hey, let's get a big splash by saying that we're gonna accept Shiba Inu, who they know is absolute the degen token. And they are going to accept this. It's only accepted at like 600 stores. It's only in a few states in the US. So is this part of a bigger rollout to accept crypto at all of their stores worldwide? Like maybe, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe this is them saying, hey, when you're playing your games late at night and you want to come down to Wendy's to get your frosty and your crispy chicken sandwich, 
You can now pay in Shiba Inu token. You know what? I'm down with it because as ridiculous as Shiba Inu is, it's built on top of Ethereum. So every transaction burns ETH. And I'm an ETH holder, so I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy's. All right, next up. The chairman of Animoca Brands said that maximizing profit will kill Web3. Yes, yeah, so he was referring to if you kill royalties, you will kill the industry. Look, I'm all for royalties. I respect royalties. I respect making sure creators make money. I think people just need to understand that this is an open marketplace and it's just gonna go the way that it goes. There's no royalties in the physical world and yet art still exists. And so does all the other creative things, okay? They still exist. People have found ways to still sell art and make money off of it. Now it's not the greatest thing in the world, but look, even if we don't have royalties, selling art digitally is better and more profitable than selling art physically. Why? Because just like what we said previously with NFTs, there's more distribution. There's more people that will buy, that can potentially buy your art. You can make more art digitally. We don't have to have royalties. It's still a better option to do it digitally on a blockchain than it is to do it physically with art. And also you can't do it without blockchain. So like it's still a win if we don't have royalties. Now, would royalties be a better thing? Of course, it'd be great. We'd love to have royalties. If you can sell art on a blockchain digitally, then that's great. You can have scarce art for the first time. It's still a win. I don't know. And also like you can track where the art's going. You can, like you said, have more partnerships with it. Like now you have that artist who, you know, created art for tickets for a venue. That has never happened before. You don't usually get artists to go and put art on a ticket, like a paper ticket. But now when we have this cool NFT, that's a ticket to a conference, you can have an artist there. So like there are more opportunities. It's a net win overall, regardless of royalties. That's my take on this. I kind of want to debate, but I don't want to debate now at the end of the show. So like, I'm all for royalties and I want them to happen. I'm just saying until the tech enables that and forces that, the market's just not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think that's exactly the point, right? The current market is owned mostly by traders and traders are going to maximize profits. So they're going to- Not even traders, man. Most people aren't going to do it regardless. Most, man, everyone's fighting with inflation and wages are not going up. Like people are fucking broke, man. And you want us to say like, this is just the way the world works. We're cheap. We're trying to like save money. Like, I'm sorry, but that's how 90 something percent of the world's going to do it. It doesn't matter. If people can get things for free, they're going to get things for free. And again, I want royalties to be a thing. And if we can enforce it, then it will happen. And people will still buy art and they'll pay those fees because they have to. But if you have a choice, I'm sorry, but people just, they're not going to do it. We're going to have a uh, whole breakdown of NFT marketplaces coming up for you guys on the show. Uh, probably in the, a month from now, we're talking to a bunch of the top NFT marketplaces to get them to come in. So we'll have this debate as part of that conversation. Uh, let's keep going with the quick hits, Kai. Okay. By the way, I am pro royalties. I want royalties. Okay. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> like, a realist. Don't roast just, me on Twitter. Yeah, I'm just a realist. That's all. Live auction comedy NFTs at ETH Denver. Okay. This is a cool little story coming out of ETH Denver. So Leia Lamarck, who is a stand-up comedian, very successful comedian, who actually got her start on Clubhouse, uh, is doing a stand-up show at ETH Denver. And what she is doing to make this a little bit more fun is during her show, she is going to live auction her jokes as NFTs. So if you're at her show and she tells a joke that you really like, you're going to be able to buy that joke as an NFT. Now there's going to be two NFTs for each joke. One is going to be a video recording of her telling the joke. And the other is going to be the joke is going to be put into an AI and the AI is going to spit out a piece of art. 
based upon the joke. <laughs> this is the fun stuff that we can do, right? And again, this isn't even about making money. Like, who cares if these sold for any price? This is just fun to participate in, to gamify things and to own moments. Like, what this makes me think of is what the NBA was trying to do with NBA Top Shots and what NFL is doing with NFL All Day is this idea of owning moments. So in the case of comedy, maybe you were at Jerry Seinfeld's first show. Well, if your ticket was an NFT, you could prove that you were at Jerry Seinfeld's first show. And that would actually be super valuable now. And you could see who else was at that show. And maybe you could have a meetup with them or start a group with them or start a community or a club with them. If one of the jokes blows up and it's something we all use just like normally, you never know what can come from that, right? Yeah. I think people understand the amount of interoperability that's going to happen with content in the future, right? Like mm. you already see TikTok where there's videos and they put music on it and they have this and that on it, these memes in it. And like, Eventually, all of those are going to be NFTs tied together. And if any of those videos create value, then you can distribute the value to the meme holder, the music holder. There's a lot of things that can happen as well. This I don't know what it's going to be, but you can see that it's all coming together. And it's, it's funny because we've had podcast NFTs, music NFTs, article NFTs. And I didn't think this one, joke NFTs. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Everything NFT. Okay, next up, be careful with that line. That's a dangerous one. I don't think everything NFT, but NFTs have a lot of potential. Web3 is going great, right? Oh, is it? An NFT whale sells 1,000 top tier NFTs in order to gamify the blur token. What's going on here? Yeah, so this is the shit show of dropping tokens and the NFT world that we are a part of. But the largest NFT sell-off of all time ha happened last weekend. Everything was tanking in their floor prices. So it was actually from one of the biggest NFT whales or crypto whales in the space. He sold over a thousand NFTs. He had 90 Bored Ape Yacht Clubs, 191 Mutant Ape Yacht Clubs, 112 Azukis, 308 other deeds, ridiculous amounts of money that he sold it for. The reason he's doing this is the way that you get your airdrops and blur is for those who provide liquidity. So those who actually put their NFTs up for sale, right? So he sold, you know, a thousand plus NFTs. Then he bought most of them back, right? So then he bought back 57 Bored Ape Yacht Clubs, 190 Mutant Ape Yacht Clubs, 11 Azukis, 285 other deeds. So like, most of it, he ended up buying back. You can call this wash trading. It's not really wash trading, but it's like airdrop farming, essentially. I hate it, to be honest. I actually think what Blur has done is just not been a great thing for the space, to be completely honest. It's just ignited so much speculation and just, is it a net positive for the space? Like, I don't know. Not really, in my opinion. It is what it is. That's, again, open marketplace. Nothing we can do about it. We don't need to cry about it. We just move on. We keep building and creating better products. But this is just weird. This just makes me think of... The line, don't hate the player, hate the game. Exactly. Don't hate the player, hate the game is exactly it. But just expect this stuff. This is what the NFT space is, right? <laughs> yeah. Now I can talk about this one. EA founder joins Web3 Gaming developer company Times2. One of the EA founders has joined a Web3 Gaming company, and it got a lot of press this week. And when we dove into this, because... Obviously, this gets pressed and you're like, oh, cool, like more gaming. And we were originally going to put this up as a top story along with gaming. And I'll tell you why we moved it down to a quick hit. Because unfortunately, this is actually, from what I can see, not a good thing. This is PR. So what is happening is this gaming company is launching a token in the next month. And in order to launch the token, they're trying to drum up a bunch of press. When you look at this gaming company, they're not very big. They're Twitter has, I think, about 20,000, 30,000 followers. They haven't shipped anything. They haven't done much. They're just trying to launch a token to make some money 
And in order to do that, what we see a ton of in this space is influencer marketing. We see a ton of big names being announced as, oh, they're now a part of this brand. And Kyle, I'd be curious to hear what you think, but to me, this is not what you want to see. It's a splash headline to get a lot of attention on a company in order for them to sell a token. Not that there's actually anything that they're building or that they've shipped or that actually is contributing to the space. And we keep seeing this. Like I saw a tweet the other day that said that large influencers joining these companies and you see like Pharrell is the brand head at Doodles, for example. And I believe a lot in Doodles and I believe a lot in Pharrell. But you see lines like this and I worry that in a space where you are constantly focused on your floor price of your token and increasing your floor price of your token. And you know that getting a big headline will increase the floor price of your token, which will make your community happy, which will make them stay longer, which will make them more committed to you. Is that necessarily a good thing? Because we know that influencer marketing is just marketing. It's not producing a product. It's not improving value for your community. It's sort of the EO founder not actually, they didn't actually join this company or what? No, he did join the company, but he hasn't done anything. They haven't done anything. He hasn't done anything. They're launching a token. It's a PR splash in order to launch this token. Right. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, I don't know. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. (laughs) (laughs) If they were launching a token, just like if you were to IPO, you would try to put out really good news for sure. You did that, right? I get that. Now, hopefully they're not lying. And I guess that's the problem here is when you IPO, you have to be vetted by the SEC, et cetera, like ensure that the things you're saying are actually true. The problem with this is they don't have to be true. And so unfortunately, we don't even know if this is true. So like that part, I guess, sucks. I agree with that for sure. What do you want? Regulation? I do. I'm not going to lie. I would love some regulation. I think it would be- No, I want regulation. Like I want speculators to leave is what I want. The whole world is speculating, <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know the whole world is speculating because the moment the price of ETH and Bitcoin start going back up, most of the world's going to come fumble back in and buy this stuff because it is going to the moon. I'm going to love it because my bags might actually get back to even and get out of the huge holder. Probably buy the top again though. All right, what's next? Okay, speaking about speculation, you can't speculate on a free mint. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. And Base has extended their free mint window. Yeah, so- Base is the layer two of Coinbase and they launched an NFT of the blue dot, which is the thing, the marketing ploy that kind of like shook Twitter for a little bit there. And so they've allowed you to um, to mint that. What that's going to do, we have no idea, but who cares? It's free. It's just like if you support what Base is up to, then why not? You know what I would think if you want to speculate, I'll tell you what's going to happen. This is my like long-term theory. Coinbase, so they already have coin as their ticker for their stock. They are going to launch base token in the future. When they have the regulatory clarity to do so, they will launch base. Those who mint this will get more of the airdrop. I guarantee it because they were the ones that supported them from the beginning. Okay. It's going to happen. I guarantee it. Oh, or maybe like this is what they should do is this is one of the things because everyone's going to go and game this, especially if you're listening to this right now. Everyone's going to go, oh, shit, I should go mint this thing because they'll get some base token in the future. What Coinbase should do if they were smart and other brands listening to this right now. You need to have multiple things, but you don't tell them what those things are. So you have this cool, right? People are going to speculate stuff, but watch. And then later, those who use base and those who do this, and maybe there's another thing they have to do. And those who actually are contributing to the ecosystems, right? But not in the means of like what Blur did saying like, hey, if you do exactly this, we'll give you tokens. Well, everyone's going to go do exactly that, obviously. (laughs) So instead you need to just like, 
have these little things, but you don't tell them what they are. And then retroactively, you look back and go, okay, who were the people that made a difference in my community? Now I want to reward you. That's the way you do this. And I think that's what BASE is going to do eventually when BASE Open comes out. You heard it here first. I wanted to bring this up because I wanted to encourage more people to interact with the space. And Free Mint is just a great way to right. get an NFT. Don't just so is it airdrop. Go get an NFT. <laughs> I, wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to encourage speculation, but we can't get away from it. It's part of the space. So, But go mint your free BASE NFT. You've got until the end of the week to do so. Okay, last one, Jay. Visa says it's not slowing down plans for crypto products. So we talked about regulation being real hot in space. Kyle's talked about a few times in this show as to why people are not launching tokens right now. But Visa is not slowing down. MasterCard grabbed a bunch of headlines last week with their integration with Futura to bring crypto payments onto MasterCard products. And so Visa was like, hey, we need some headlines too. And we also are not scared about regulation. So they just grabbed some PR by saying they're not slowing down plans for their crypto products. They're pushing ahead. And I think I wanted to bring this up, not to talk about Visa, more to talk about everybody take a deep breath. Regulation, yes, it is coming, but it is not going to rug the space. It's not going to be bad for the space. Even the US who wants to regulate knows that innovation is a good thing and they want to be a leader in innovation. So take a deep breath. We're all good. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for showing up, everybody. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who showed up live today. Uh, we do this every Thursday live, as Kyle said. And if you want to mint your free base token, you can grab the link on our Twitter at Web3Academy underscore. Look forward to seeing you all next week. We got some exciting shows coming up. If you aren't subscribed to the newsletter, make sure you subscribe. Have yourself a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.